This is Akhlas. And this is Mecca. And you're listening to Identity Politics, a podcast on race, gender, and Muslims in America. Mecca, tell the people where to find us. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Acast, honestly, wherever you find your podcasts. You can also find us elsewhere online at identitypoliticspod.com, on Twitter at identitypolpod. You can also find us at facebook.com slash identitypolitics. And remember, if you like what you hear, don't forget to tell us what you think by leaving us a review on iTunes. Yes, cosign underscore double click. Now, let's jump <laughs> to today's episode. Let's do it. Hey, Mecca. Hey, Aklas. How's it going? Oh, you know, it's uh, getting a little cold out, uh, cuffing season. What? You already <laughs> cuffed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just mean in the internet terms, like that's what people say when it gets cold yeah, out. Yeah, that better like, be just what people say. <laughs> yeah, just people say, okay, yes, I've already cuffed. It's, it's such a terrible term. It really is. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like thinking about Riz, like putting some handcuffs on you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can you explain for the untrained ear like what cuffing season actually is okay so according to webster's dictionary (laughs) is it really no i think it's like according to urban dictionary oh okay (laughs) wait now i'm like curious what like definition urban dictionary uses of cuffing season just so we can be like official here in our definition (laughs) no but cuffing season that's like when you're trying to get either like I think most people are looking for a temporary bay, you know, during cuffing season, mm-hmm. <laughs> because then when it's like summer season, that's when you like, all right, new bay, who dis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just someone who like, you don't have to leave ever and go out into the cold yeah, and you exactly. can just sit and like watch Netflix and right. order in food like forever. forever. This is definitely, I mean, I, the concept I think is age old, but I feel like millennials have really like, they got charts, they got timelines, <laughs> yes. like we got like a whole system in terms of like when to cuff and when to uncuff for when optimal happiness. When to uncuff happiness. is real because I think you're supposed <laughs> to uncuff right before Valentine's Day. Right before. You're not trying to be caught like in Valentine's Day because you don't want to mistake that for like actual you know relationship exactly it's so, <laughs> so true but then also I wonder how people navigate Thanksgiving and like Christmas slash Kwanzaa because you're yeah. like I don't want them to think that they can come through for the holidays that's true no one's <laughs> making you a plate no um, one no one's trying to do that yeah but I'm glad you brought up the point that you know I am quote-unquote cuffed also known as <laughs> as married yes also um, known. Yeah, because I think like it's so funny because I think especially with cuffing season happening that sometimes single people will ask like, oh, like, do you have any advice for me, Um, you know, now that you're married? Um, And I remember like being single and married people being like, you're too picky. You're too this. Like, you're too all of that. I know. I feel like also CNN would give advice to black women. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like all of your men are in jail. (laughs) It, like you might as well just die yeah. and be like thanks you know like this very helpful episode. very helpful <laughs> I since you brought this up I feel like you know married women tend to try to give advice to their single friends I don't know if you're one of those women like that give advice to hashtag all the single ladies now that you're married you're so much more knowledgeable 
Oh God. Well, the problem is I all, I'm just like the person that gives advice in general. Yeah, you are. You know, like people come to me, they're like, Hey, like I need advice on my resume. Yeah. I need advice like on like how to deal with this like conflict situation. Um, and so it, it's weird trying to negotiate that role of being like, you know, this, this advice giver that, and that gives out counsel to a lot of my closest friends, yeah, um, yeah. with like not trying to cross a really awkward line of like pretending like I have any sort of knowledge or authority on how any of this works. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's hard because I also think the other thing with that, yeah, it's like people come to you for advice, right? So it's like, not even like, you're like, Hey, single friend, let me tell you all the things that you're doing wrong. <laughs> oh my God. So, yeah. yeah. So how do you like, how, how do you give advice without, feeling like you're an expert or do you just not give advice at all? Um, so I think a couple things. I, I, I do think that like if someone says, you know, like, oh, you're married, like tell me how to find a man. I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I am not qualified or yeah. equipped to like dish out. I think I know my limits. Like I know that like, I also like, you know, I've only been married six months, so it's not like I've forgotten what it's like to be right. single. So I'm still like very sensitive, um, to that. And I know that it's not like you not being enough. Like I know mm-hmm. that there's a lot of griminess out there. I know there's a lot of obstacles. Um, there are some obstacles that we have in front of ourselves that we have to deal with, but there are other obstacles that are placed in front of us. And so I, I, I feel like the advice that I give is usually like this guy texted me, I don't know what this means. Yeah, should I totally. text back? You know, or yeah. like, I'm, I'm like kind of feeling this person, but I don't know how to like proceed. And it's like, okay, like if you need just like a general like encouragement or, you know, discouragement, mm-hmm. then like happy to play that role. But if you need me to like give you the secrets to life, um, I, I don't have those. And <laughs> I've hated, I've hated when other married people have like tried to give those to me unsolicited, yeah. um, even though they have the best intentions, alhamdulillah, but like, I'm just like, no, please leave me alone. I know, right? That That's so real. And like, I feel like two single friends think you have like this wisdom because they're like, you got somebody. And I'm always like, yeah, like I literally didn't really do anything to like get him. Yeah. <laughs> and that's such a dissatisfying yeah. answer, right? That yeah. like, it you lucked out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is that idea of luck where they're like, you're lucky you got a good one. Um, and then it's like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess but yeah it's like it's really hard when you're like single trying to find someone because I feel like you always have to go through like all of these games right that's like oh man he hasn't like texted me in a week like does that mean he's still interested or is he not interested and like you constantly have like all these like wh- what do you call it fish out in the sea <laughs> Is that, oh is that what people call? I feel like I do this every episode. <laughs> Why do I even try to use like <laughs> these things? You also sound like you were not raised as a native English speaker. You're like, what is this colloquialism? <laughs> this American like thing. That's true. But you know, okay, maybe I should say and you lay in so many traps. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And you're like hoping that one of them catch. I don't know. I don't know. I, I yeah. say this from experience, right? When you just like try to put all of these things out there hoping that one of them comes back to you. Yeah. But how, how do you find Bay? Like for people that are looking and actually genuinely curious, like how did, how did you find yours? You know, I, I did not have like 
someone in mind set out. Like I didn't have this like list of, you know, these are the things that I want. That's not something that I did. Um, as Mecca knows, I've like dated like many different types and shapes. Not so much colors, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not for any particular reason that, I mean, that just didn't come my way. Um, But when I was getting serious where I was like, okay, I want to get married, I actually had a friend be like, oh, you should do a marriage profile. Um, And that just kind of like set out, you know, who, who I was trying to be. Wait, what is a marriage profile? Okay, so a marriage profile, I think, I don't know. I feel like he made it up because I've talked to a lot of people about marriage profiles and no one seems to know what I'm talking about. But um, you put a little picture on there. You put a bio about yourself and like things that you like to do. Kind of just like a dating site. Yeah, I feel like a lot of my like, friends who are children of immigrants they like biodata or like yeah. arishta or something I don't know I don't know the phrases but I'm familiar with this concept. yeah so okay. that's totally what I did um I cre- put it in a pdf I shared it with like family and friends and you know just so they could have it or like imams and told them that you know I was looking and here's a little bit about me that you can share with people um who also um would be looking to get married. And so that was like my first step towards being like, this is something serious. Like I'm not looking for like cuff bay, <laughs> cuffing season bay, but like long-term. Um, so I was doing that. And then also I was really trying to work on myself because I got it into my head that like, I would not find what I was looking for if I wasn't working to become who I wanted to be. And I think that's a big difference. Like I knew that I wasn't in this state that like, I would want to be in um, in a relationship with someone. So I was thinking, like, what can I improve in my own life um, to aspire who I want to be? And I was just, like, praying that, you know, whoever Allah intended for me was out there doing the same. Um, so I would always, like, make dua, like, Allah, bring me someone in my life who, you know, uh, who has a love for you, who has a love for family, um, and who would be uh, best matched with me. And I know people out there listening are like, uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, you know, I feel like sometimes people don't want to like really buy into that. Like, you know, they're like, oh, I'm making da, I'm praying and like nothing is coming to me. And I mean, sometimes that happens. Um, so maybe I am lucky. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely very lucky. Yeah. What about you? Wait, what about me? What's the question? Oh, I know. I was like talking for so long. (laughs) (laughs) No, you have a lot of great things to say. And I'm like, oh, I want to respond to that. I want to respond to that. I was saying how (laughs) we were talking about how we found Bay. Yeah, I mean, look, honestly, um, I am lucky in that uh, I am married to one of my closest friends. Um, We were friends for five years. And you know, live in our own lives. I moved, you know, I lived in two different cities um, after leaving DC initially and then came back and he was like, what's up? And, <laughs> and so I've tried like, like the online profile yeah. thing. I've tried like, you know, so many different ways to try and find people. Um, but I've never responded well to like strangers. Yeah, I've never responded well. Yeah, I've never responded well to like guys who've tried to talk to me based on like seeing me one time or like I'm just like this doesn't seem like a strong basis and like maybe that means I'm shutting things myself. I've shut myself off from things in the universe. Um, But I really felt like 
Um, I'm a complicated person and I feel like whoever I'm with needs to fully understand that. They don't need to appreciate all of it, but they have to like understand that like I'm moody, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm flawed, you know, even though I have impeccable style, I am not perfect. And that's what always made me nervous when like someone would see me and be like, hey, Salika, I'm like, what's up? What's your name? And I'd be like, no, 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 no. I am not as perfect <laughs> as I look. I spend a lot of time on my eyeliner. That has nothing to do with my character. <laughs> like, please, please move aside. Um, but yeah, I, I really did feel like it was important for me to like, be with someone who knew me really well um, already. And that limits the pool like quite a bit. Um, because also like when you're friends with people, like you know all their business and they all know, they know all of yours. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely like an interesting transition into like seeing what might uh, be possible. But alhamdulillah, it's worked out. It has. Also, as you were telling that story, I was like, you, you basically have like, um, like brown sugar, like <laughs> <laughs> the movie where they were friends. They, they moved back. She moves back to the city, and he's like, "What's good?" Except that he was like engaged, so you don't yeah. have that part. That's but <laughs> you know, I always also side note confuse brown sugar and love and basketball because whenever anyone just mentions the sonali, so yeah. I just want to say I'm a ball player. I hate you. But I recognize that it's not from brown sugar. I'm a Definitely ball player. Not. But it's like you want someone who appreciates that you're a ball player. Yeah. And I can try to make you into something else. I love it. Oh my god, that was such a good impression. I like I like I thought like I was in that scene. Anyway, we should anyway. probably transition into our yeah. episode for today. We should. I well, I'm I'm really happy we talked about it. And also we talked about it with the knowledge that we are not experts nope. on relationships, marriages. Like we all we know is what we've experienced. So we mm-hmm. thought it would be good to bring someone on the show who actually is an expert. We're yeah, we have on Yes, Guru, you may know her from where she Instagram. She has her own website. She does counseling, relationship advice. Um, she has series, uh, video series on Instagram, Merry Mondays, and hashtag Supportive Saturdays. She's also Neka. What is she? Our fourth uh, Yasmin yeah. <laughs> slash Yasmin. Yeah. yeah, I like when people ask what the most common like Muslim names are. Yasmin Yasmin is not like one that I think of, but right. it, it is quite astounding that we have had now four. That's crazy. On the podcast. That's so insane. <laughs> no, but we're really happy to have her on the show. She is awesome and will give you much better advice than Mecca and I could ever give you. <laughs> yes. Let's hear it. Yasmin, we're so excited to have you on the podcast, aka Yas Guru. <laughs> the world famous. World famous. <laughs> you know her on Instagram. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. so this was funny. When we were putting together this episode, we were just like looking you up on the internet, and I was asking Mecca, I was like, wait, is this the same one? I was like, I feel like I've seen her as a human rights lawyer, but I was like, yes. I also got a Facebook event for a comedy tour coming to Atlanta. And I was like, is this yes. all the same person? <laughs> and then also you're like a relationship consultant. I was like, who yes. is this person? So basically 
Um, we kind of want to know which one is your favorite role. And also you're a mom. <laughs> okay, so yes. let's talk about that. So many roles we yes. want you to choose. I'm kidding. You don't have to choose, but <laughs> just um, tell us I, how you I, do it all. I love juggling. I love juggling. Uh, it's my favorite um, hobby. I actually wish I could actually really juggle. Like I see people who are who really juggle things and I'm like, that's like a real talent of coordination. I'm not even that coordinated. So <laughs> I, um, I, I uh, am very, very blessed to have a really supportive network around me. I have um, a really fantastic family, uh, a, a beautiful husband, really beautiful set of parents, wonderful help that um, assists me, including my nanny. Um, so I, I would say that my favorite role, um, which I don't do alone, but I do completely supported is being a mom because um, it really pushes me and I like things that are challenging and I like things that teach me every day. Uh, and so I'm learning a lot as a mom, but um, I really love, I mean, I love what I do. I, I, I love being a lawyer. I love being a relationship consultant um, and seeing people flourish in the relationship also end toxic relationships. So, um, you know, I do a little bit of both and um, I'm just, you know, just stoked to be talking to you guys about what I do, because I think the more that we talk about it in our community, the more that we um, move towards healthy relationships. And I think those are the bedrock of like good societies. I'm sure your son, when he listens to this, like 10 years later, will be like, good answer. Mom first. <laughs> mom first. I'm number one better. mom. That's how it should be. Yeah. Yes. But I think you are the first relationship consultant that I've spoken to. I've talked to people that are like, oh, I'm dealing with a matchmaker or my parents are trying to get yeah. some auntie to like hook me up and all of that. Yeah. But uh, can you describe what it is that you do for people? Like, how did you sure. get into relationship consulting? Like, why yes. are you doing this? Clearly, she was like, I need like two more jobs. <laughs> yeah, not enough things on my plate. Um, <clears throat> I actually started uh, doing this a little over 10 years ago now. Um, I realized that I had a knack for helping people build relationships, but I also um, had a knack for helping people um, mediate some conflict. And that has... Uh, proven um, quite, um, I would say, like integral in my everyday job as a, as an attorney. But I think that um, I, I sort of fell into it because I realized that a lot of people don't necessarily know what they need. They're kind of obsessed with what they want. And uh, using my power of <clears throat> intuition, but also understanding the human psyche. So I was a neuroscience undergrad um, and behavioral biology undergrad in um, at Emory University when I was just growing up as a wee little, wee little girl. Um, and I, I learned a lot about the way that we learn and the way that we attach and bond and the way that we make connections, including um, in groups and out groups, xenophobia, racism. I learned about the anthropo anthropological basis of those things. And um, it taught me a lot just about how people interact. So I realized that I had a knack for it about, you know, over 10 years ago. And so I, 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 I created the relationship consultant, um, title. And, um, because I, I don't do therapy, I don't do counseling. I'm, you know, not interested so much in people's past and, and doing jobs that other people are much more qualified to do, uh, people who are licensed and trained. But what I do uh, is help consult people in figuring out solutions to complex problems, um, especially ones that include what to do, um, when you're trying to find the correct partner for yourself. My life experience has also taught me that I am uh, a divorced woman. I am now remarried. Um, I learned a lot, a lot through my 
uh, personally lived experiences, but also in the many, many relationships that um, I've seen and, and, and had, have been um, blessed to, to, to be a part of. And I've lived in so many different states. So like, I've lived in Georgia, I've lived in Florida, I've lived in um, Virginia, I've lived in California, I've lived in New Jersey, um, Alabama, you know, I've lived in Egypt. So and and everywhere I go, I've really um, kind of gone out of my way to develop relationships and to study people. Mm-hmm. And so I really just help people kind of figure out what they what is it that they actually need, not necessarily what they want. Um, I've seen a lot of people also need to divorce in kind and respectful ways and, and, and separate. So I've learned a lot about what are the big pitfalls that people fall into because they are, they are patterned and people fall into kind of the same issues. Um, and, and everyone's like, I'm, I'm the exception. I'm the exception. It's like, no, you're the rule. Everyone is the rule. <laughs> but you so that's my it. job. <laughs> you want to, yeah, so that's my job really. So a part of the relationship consulting is to help people. Uh, find partners. So I've helped uh, people match make. I kind of want to move away from matchmaking and really want to help people match themselves. Because I think that if you can get to a place where you can learn the tools yourself, then you don't need me. I can, I can come out of the equation. I've got too many other things that I do. Mm-hmm. And instead, you can really rely on um, getting the right tools to learn about yourself so that you can understand what's best for you. You've mentioned a couple of times uh, helping people distinguish between what they need and what yeah. they want. How yeah. do you draw that distinction and, and how do you differentiate those two in this work? So a big uh, part of um, doing this is is learning a lot from successful relationship data. So um, some evidence-based practices on what long relationships, long healthy relationships look like. So there, there's really wonderful work by... Um, uh, a very famous um, psychologist by the name of John Gottman. And so uh, his work is something that I draw on. Also, Helen Fisher's work I draw on. And Helen Fisher um, is behind chemistry.com. She does a lot of work on uh, what brings two people together and keeps people to, two people together. And so she's uh, actually an anthropologist, and that's her background. Um, and I also um, draw on my religion, my faith, and what you know, what uh, healthy relationships look like in the pre-modern era, for example, um, as well as, you know, moving forward with an understanding of Arif, which is custom in um, within Islamic legal jurisprudence. I, I draw on those things to tell people, and of, of course my lived experience, to tell people, like, what is it that actually makes sense for relationships that are successful and stand the test of time? And then what are the things that you're kind of looking for that are sometimes causing toxicity? And I um, I think people's temperaments and people's personalities, sometimes they are attracted to, um, to, to people that are not good for them. But they're, but they're attracted to them for very like real reasons because all of us are searching for ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's what I always tell people. So a lot of times you're like, oh, I, of course, I want someone who's like going to think like me, be yeah. like me. Approach same interest. Exactly like I do. Yeah, same right. interest. Like, I want to have similar interests with people. And I'm like, hey, guess what? That gets boring after a while and creates conflict. You know, what you probably should be looking for is someone with similar values. So uh, aligning values are what matters, not not aligning interests. So these are some of the things that I um, that I get from people, I draw out of people, to, to try to understand better um, complementarity. So that's that's kind of like the, the principle that I uh, really... Um, give all my advice from you want someone to compliment you not to beat you yeah and so with relationships and like 
I think relationships in general are just really difficult and funny in a way that people often think that they know what they're doing, right? And they think they know yeah. their, like needs and wants and it's just like, oh, I can't find what I need, but not really being reflective about like, is that really what I need? Um, yeah. What I want? Yeah. It, go ahead. I feel like you want to uh, jump I was, in. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say one thing about reflection because, you know, here's the thing. We don't live in an era where reflection is really, I would say, um, prioritized. Yes. So th- it's just because of the onslaught of inputs. So there's just like a lot of data going on. There's a ton of um, social media feeds, um, news feeds, school is like, go, go, go. Then there's like after school programs. And there's just not, I don't think there's a prioritization of sitting down any kind of meditative practice or any kind of reflection, reflective practice. And, uh, you know, obviously because I'm Muslim and uh, prayer five times a day is a part of my faith, I'm forced to have to do the reflection. But even then, if I don't, if I, if it's not active, right, if it's a passive Mm -hmm. prayer, then I don't do any of that reflection. It's hard to remember like prayer is for you, right? You know, you know, prayer is for you, you know, God, you know, as, as Muslims believe God doesn't need your prayer, right? Like, Sure. That process, that That's process is about, yeah, getting you in line with the truth and getting you in line with your truth and understanding your placement, you know, your place in the universe. My dad, oh my God, he used to crack me up. So he would call me at college and he'd leave, he just, he'd call me, he wouldn't say like, hello and goodbye. He'd just go, know your place in the universe. And he would hang up the phone. <laughs> No, so wow. <laughs> or, or he'd call me, he'd, he'd go Salatic Dinik, and he would hang up the phone. Salatic Dinik in Arabic means like your prayer yeah. and your creed. Right. And he would hang up the phone. And I was like, hello? Hello? <laughs> He's like, that's it. That's all you need. And that was all, all that's need. all you need to know. Yeah. Or he'd, you know, he'd call and be like, humility. And he would hang up the phone. Oh my God. And, I love and it. And so my dad forced me as a college student to be meditative because he yeah. knew that things were going a million miles per hour. But I, I, so when you talked about reflection, sorry, it just kind of tripped that for me. And yeah. I think if people reflected, they would realize that the people that they keep around in their lives, they keep around in their lives for a reason. I wish that someone had just given me that bit of advice. Yeah. If someone had given me just that bit of advice, like reflect about the relationships that really work for you, your friendships, the siblings that you get along with the best, the coworkers that you really click with, because oftentimes there's a pattern there of aligning values. So you need to be picking someone who's a life partner that makes sense with that, your, your, your past. And with that, um, leaning, you know, the, the inclinations of your heart. That's, um, I also feel like your dad, like that could be an app. (laughs) just like throughout the day you get like a random call that's like humility drive by meditation yeah that's so great (laughs) and so so relationships are hard in general and I don't know if you think that this is true but being a Muslim on the dating scene I used to always tell myself and like had friends that supported me in this of like man it's hard trying to find a Muslim man who is good out there and we're like they're none (laughs) like just like super negative (laughs) right all the time we're like how many muslim men do you see every day um but then also just like the dating process too of like being muslim while dating do you think that there are challenges that are unique to muslims when trying to find love like are these legitimate things that like my friends and i would say or were we just being trash (laughs) i i think that there is some some difficulty uh i think there's an extra added um layer of difficulty when it comes to Muslims trying to find love on the dating scene. The biggest one, I think, is that um, if you look at our, 
you know, our religious custom and also kind of the religious rules that come with dating, you know, physicality is not something that's encouraged before marriage. So just that piece, you know, sometimes people, uh, for example, want to get married just to get physical intimacy. And that's not a good reason um, (laughs) to enter into a lifelong relationship with someone. Also, um, maybe because someone doesn't realize someone's uh, physical needs, it's hard to to understand the matching, um, you know, intimacy. So we say expectations. It's hard to match those before marriage uh, for some Muslims. But I, I will say also the the other, I think, issue is that um, when Muslims approach the dating scene, there's a lot of because marriage is the goal. Um, there is there's pressure that is involved with that, and there is commitment that's involved with that. And we don't, I don't think, we live in an era right now where like commitment is easy because again, there's just so much choice. There are so many, there's so many, so many inputs that come into people's minds that they just think oh, there must be something better that's going to come yeah. along. Or, um, you know, so they're gaming. Or, you know, I, I don't know, like, if I'm able to actually, like, step up and have all the responsibilities, so there's insecurity. Um, or there's baggage. You know, people are like, oh, I'm afraid that, you know, I'm going to commit to someone and they just have a ton of baggage that they're going to come in with. And I don't want to deal with people's drama. Like, people don't, they don't want to deal. They have a hard time dealing. So there, I think there are some modern issues that have that, that bump up against really a Muslim idea of dating, which is supposed to be about commitment and long-term relationship um, health. So that, that I think is difficult. On top of that, you have a situation where Muslims in traditional Muslim societies really relied on communities to vet people. Yeah. And they relied on, they relied on, um, you know, community relations to know that you could find someone within the community that, another person respected very easily. Mm-hmm. We don't, we, especially in the West, um, the Western Muslim context is the minority Muslim context. This is very, very difficult, very, very difficult because um, Muslims are very, very spread out. Yeah. And it is very difficult to, to rely on a social network for that. Um, and to know, isn't actually serving. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, isn't that something? Yeah. Isn't that hilarious? That's yeah, so I mean, real though. Cause rough. I feel like when I was dating, I was like, I don't want to date a stranger. Like <laughs> I yes. don't want to date anyone that I yes. can't have like go back to an auntie and be like, is he okay? Like, give right. me the scoop. Does he check yeah. out? <laughs> and so, so we, you know, that's traditionally how Muslims got married. And then I'm going to add one more layer, which is that parents. Um, so, you know, obviously Muslims in America, they're a mixed bag. There are, you know, Muslims that are indigenous to the United States majority of them being African-American. There are Muslims that come from immigrant communities. And I will say, you know, that if you look at like Pew research data about um, Muslims that do come from immigrant communities, it's like an overwhelming number of them are still in that like first generation and maybe even just second generation. So their parents like were born uh, outside of the United States and they are coming with a whole lot of cultural expectation about who their child is supposed to marry. And I think that sometimes parents' expectations really ruin their adult children's lives, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what I was thinking about a lot when I was thinking, oh, what are these unique challenges that Muslims <laughs> face? And I don't want to be unfair. Like like you said, having that community to help you vet, you know, a lifelong partner can be really useful. But there is also a lot of input from family in this process. Yes. a lot of emphasis on the families joining together. I feel like across cultures um, yes. of when I talk to Muslims, like that tends to be the most common theme. And sometimes I've, I've found like some of my friends talking 
uh, about this is that they're vulnerable to like losing themselves in the process and like yeah. knowing what they want, not just someone's pedigree. So how do you right. know like whether you're ready to enter into a relationship? Like, is there some level of like self-work? We talked about yes. reflection, but like what, what needs to be done on an individual level before you start accepting all of your family's like matchmaking, you know, endeavors? <laughs> very, very good question. Um, I actually really believe in self-work as the starting foundation. And a part of that is the reflection that we talked about. And so that you can understand what actually works for you, what relationships work for you. Um, but on top of that, I really am a big supporter of Dr. Roger Walsh's work. And um, Roger Walsh, he's an MD, PhD uh, out in California. And he <clears throat> uh, advocates these um, eight therapeutic lifestyle changes. Um, and there are um, eight ways of well-being. I think that that's actually the website. I think it's like eightwaysofwellbeing.com. Now, but um, <clears throat> at the top uh, of that list is, is spirituality and that meditative practice that we talked about and reflection, but also um, time in nature, spending time in nature, giving back. So some type of community service, deepening <clears throat> the existing relationships that you have. So if it means like plugging out and and actually focusing on friends in, you know, in-person interaction with friends, yeah. siblings, uh, parents, coworkers, um, exercising. So actually spending time really, um, getting physicality, uh, of your body kind of moving, getting your blood flowing. That really is important stress management and relaxation, which are not the same thing. So if you're exercising to stress relief, um, that's not what Dr. Roger Walsh is talking about. He's talking about something else for your stress management and relaxation that you like to do. Um, what is it that you like to do? It could be to draw. It could be um, to feed ducks at a pond. Whatever it is that you need to. <laughs> I did that. I actually legit I did that. that. I, I, fed, I fed ducks and turtles. And, and that really helped me uh, relax and, and manage my stress. Um, I actually now draw um, and and. I do adult coloring books nice. to do that. And it really, it really, it's very helpful for me. And then <clears throat> recreation. So he talks about like doing something for fun, just for fun's sake. And then finally, um, nutrition and diet. So making sure that you're feeding yourself whole foods, whether that be whole grains, whole fr uh, fruits and vegetables, but trying your best to stay away from, pr from processed foods. So I know that was a lot. I'm going to just go through them really quick again, eight of them that you can do to work on self to make yourself ready uh, to, to be able to give in a relationship because that's what they're about. They're about giving of yourself. So first spirituality, meditative practice, reflection, second time in nature, third, giving back some type of community service, fourth, deepening your existing relationships with in-person interaction, five exercising, um, six, I'll put nutrition and diet there too with exercising. So eating correctly, um, seven stress management, relaxation, then eight fun, recreation. And I think that those, that's a, a, a holistic plan. It's probably more than you expected me to answer. Nick. No, I yeah. love that. Yeah. I love lists. I love research. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad this isn't just coming from like your own, like, this is what's no. worked for me that one time. <laughs> no. Um, and I, and, and I really do believe in evidence-based practices, like I said. Um, and I think that you can, if, if you add evidence to your own life experience, beautiful. But I think if you're just talking about your own life experience, sometimes that you miss out on you know, not you again, like you're, it's not about you. It's about what are other people's lived experiences? Yeah. Sure. I think, I think the things you listed were very applicable and, and practical steps that anyone can take 
to yeah. kind of do that self-work, to be able to put themselves in a position where they can give. But I'd love to hear your perspectives on how that self-work might look different for men and women. I know mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. with my friends, you know, one of the conversations that we were constantly having is, you know, we were sort of as soon as we finished college and for some people earlier than that, um, started being talked to about marriage and started being talked to about, okay, you know, this, what's your career path? What's your timeline? What are you looking for? And then when I started making male Muslim friends, like they were just like, you know, people were sort of like, when are you going to get married? They'd be like, not yet. And then, <laughs> and then so when true. they decided they were going to get married, they got married like the next day. Meanwhile, we've been like yeah. preparing for like 15 years. Yeah. Like, I'm so mad you said 15 years. <laughs> Ah, yeah, we need some balance in our community, don't we? We need to tell we need to be messaging men and women similarly, but we don't. Um and 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 that contributes to our uh, some some of our relationship dysfunction, right? And our in, you know, our uh, increasing divorce rate. Um and we have people who are serial um heartbreakers or like serial um relationship um violators and people who get into marriages, they get divorced. They don't do any work. They get married to someone else. They divorce them. They end up really damaging people. Um, so I will say that the preparation differences between men and women do exist, I think in practicality, but they shouldn't exist. These are things that everyone should be doing to prepare. But I think that men, uh, Muslim men in the community, depending on, again, their parent structure, whether they come from um, an, an indigenous or, or an immigrant background in the United States are just uh, messaged differently and they're told different things. But, you know, if you, if you look at the life of the prophet Muhammad, uh, peace and blessings be upon him, you just see him as this balanced person um, who assisted uh, in, in things around the house, obviously mending his own clothes and, um, and being around in the house to help, but also um, really listen to his wives also when they were showing points of leadership, like his wife, Um Salama, um, may God be pleased with her and telling him, Hey, listen, people are out there and they're waiting for you to slaughter your animals so that, um, because you, you know, you can't complete the, 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 the pilgrimage this year, do that and people will follow you. And, and he listened to her, you know? So I guess what I'm trying to say is that we don't have that balance. We need to strike that balance and our tradition is balanced. I think when it comes to Muslim men, also, I think it's really important that um, they realize that whatever they were told about being in control and like having power, that a lot of that has to come with responsibility. So I think that women are powerful. I think that men um, can sometimes outpower them, both in a social dynamic and in a physical dynamic as well. And as a result, they have to really, really be careful, um, more careful about any kind of damage that they could create. And, you know, we're seeing this within our community, people sort of um, abusing positions, abusing power, abusing responsibility. And so, you know, that's a very, very serious conversation that we have to have with our with our sons. And we've got to tell our daughters to protect themselves, you know, especially in the internet age. I think that we have women who are, like you said, uh, preparing for many years often to be the perfect spouse and they see that someone is giving them attention and it's great. It feels great, especially if they've like been focusing on being excellent students their whole lives or, you know, kicking major tail at work and, and really just um, killing their career. And then, you know, 
a Muslim man uh, pays attention to them and they just feel like they're on top of the world. It's like it's like a hit of drugs. And then they give them everything. You know, they send them um, very intimate details about themselves, photographs, things like that. And that's really dangerous. And we have to tell our women that um, they have to protect themselves as well. And they should not be so giving of themselves. Yeah. And I, I want to I think this kind of goes back to the needs slash want conversation. Right. Because I think on the same side of that, women will prepare. And you recently did a love note about this, about like the spark. Right. Yes. <laughs> like like yes. you've been preparing, but you also have, I think, this like very material idea of like what you want. And so women will be like, yes, he is six, three. He has his yes. beard. He has money in the bank. <laughs> like this is it. I'm feeling it. And like I literally. Yeah, exactly. I like cried laughing when you were like that spark will eventually burn your house down. Exactly. <laughs> and I laughed so hard because exactly. I was like, I know exactly what that feeling is when you get this spark and you like you you think it's everything that you want, but like the way you've been preparing hasn't been reflective. And so you're yes. just like, damn, I screwed this all the way up. Like that's not this is not what I think it is. And so how do you know when it's like the real deal? Like what's that feeling that you should get that's not Oh, I get this question all the time. I love this question. (laughs) Yeah. Go for it then. Um, Okay. Here's the thing about the real deal. People are like, how do I know this is for real? Um, (laughs) Sorry that I got so serious about answering the other question, but I'm just so upset about what's been going on. Yeah. I'm just so upset about uh, the mismatch, I would say, of of preparation from the the two genders that I had to, I had to talk about some abuse issues. Um, all right. So here's what I think about the real deal. This is the real deal. The real deal is when someone's character, their, like their countenance, their truth in terms of their honesty and in terms of their, um, ability to be kind and treat people with respect when that is the first sort of thing that you notice about that person, because that is what's going to actually keep you together, right? If someone doesn't have that character, I promise you, I promise you that relationship will not last and it is not the real deal. The other thing about the real deal feeling wise is that if you feel as though that this is someone that you want to get their opinion on your life, that's a good sign right? Like you want to share with them things about your life and you value their opinion. That means you respect them. And that means that you want them around. That's a, that's a sign that it's the real deal. Also a sign that it's a real deal is that when you are away from that person, you kind of like want to be around them and you don't, (laughs) and you don't know why. Right. So you have this kind of pull to be like, Oh, like, where, where are they? You know, what are they up to? Um, that that's also a sign that it's a real deal. And it's not just like, you know, puppy love or whatever. Um, I'm not going to use that word ever again. That's, <laughs> that's a stupid word. That's, what, that's a stupid word. Um, anyways, but, um, I will also say that, that another, another sign that it's a real deal is that that person actually listens to you and is respectful of your opinion and doesn't dismiss your opinion. So people who are dismissive, who interrupt you a lot or interrupt um, their family members, that's always a red flag that something else is going on because someone who can't fully hear you out is not the person for you. Is going to be patient with hearing you out. So that's, that's another sign that it's a real deal because let me tell you what marriage is about. It's about hearing each other out. And if you're not going to um, communicate in respectful ways, 
then you're you're going to end up in in major major trouble. And um, I, I mentioned John Gom- John Gottman before, and he talks about that, and he talks about the four horsemen, which are signs that uh, a relationship is in trouble, and he refers to them as criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. And so, you know, criticism when someone is criticizing you instead of like an action. Defensiveness is when someone is saying, you know, this is your fault. It's not my fault. Um, so be careful. Be wary of that when you're talking to someone because it's it's going to be problematic if they're constantly blaming others and not taking ownership. So like listen to someone when they're talking about conflict. Contempt. So this is when someone is, is, you know, using always or never or is dismissive to people or name calls. And then stonewalling, which is just they, they don't they can't deal. They need to walk away. Those those people, be, you know, I, I would say be careful because oftentimes people are like, oh, no, I love them. But there's these other things that are going on. I would tell them be careful because maybe that's not real love. It's not the real deal. I know that a lot of Muslim women that I talk to, as, as you mentioned earlier, um, the first time that they really are starting to engage with people of the opposite sex, starting to have some of these intimate conversations or even just like thinking about themselves is is in pursuit of marriage. And so yeah. it's like zero to 100, right? And so yes. some of the uh, advice that we get from our parents, from you know people that have been married for a long time is that marriage is compromise and, and marriage is work. And yeah. sometimes it's hard to understand what that means and what that work looks like and and how to recognize it as like the healthy marriage work versus something that is an insurmountable problem or a red flag or abusive um, in some cases. So yeah. how do you balance this age old wisdom of, of marriage being work and compromise and, and recognizing that for what it is without losing yourself in the process or setting yourself up for a relationship that really just isn't isn't working? Um, it's a that's a really excellent question and a, and a difficult one to answer for many people because a lot of it is fact specific and, and fact dependent uh, on on someone's particular situation because sometimes there's this like nefarious uh, you know emotional abuse that's going on that's like hard to detect. So I will say this: um, marriage is a lot of work. Uh, it is an incredible amount of um, communication about what you want and what you need and also like knowing what not to communicate as well. I don't think people talk about that enough. So marriage is also about like being careful to not hurt the person in front of you or to speak in a, in a disrespectful way. And I think that's for both parties. And I think that when you're in a relationship and you feel that the other person is biting and it, it's kind of like what what John Gottman calls contempt. Someone is either dismissive or biting or or name calling. Um, When you're talking to them, I think that is a a tall tale sign that this is not a healthy relationship and this is not about compromising. It's about disrespect, Mm. right? There's a thin line between compromising and being compromised. And that's something that I I talk about in my video, no means no free as guru. And, and when something doesn't feel comfortable, you have to stop and say, Hey, I don't, I don't, I'm not really comfortable with this really look at the other person's reaction. If it's, if it's blowing you off, like this is not a healthy space. If it's someone who's actually like, okay, I'm not going to judge you about that, but I'm going to try to understand better why you feel that way. That's the healthy space. Um, and that's when you know that your relationship is actually about listening and compromise. And it's not about a one-sided relationship. I think a lot of our parents, um, are struggling, um, uh, to be honest, uh, to be in kind of one-sided relationships or in relationships that are not happy where people are just cohabitating. 
And I think a lot of people, you know, they're running away and they don't want to be their parents, but sometimes they become that way because mm. that's what they've seen. Yeah. And so I think that having a, you know, a premarital counseling, but having a counselor that you have before marriage that you guys know you can go to is so important. There's a third party that's giving good optics. And I think that protects you too from knowing what is compromise and what is, you know, being compromised again, what is, what is emotional abuse? What is potentially physical abuse, sexual abuse, financial abuse, uh, um, mental abuse. So I think that is also helpful to always have a, a, another set of eyes and to be open to that. So if someone's like not open at all to having any kind of third party assist them, that's, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I also recommend to people to have a spiritual guide that they agree on. So this is completely different from the counseling side, but you know, if someone is, is sometimes people are spiritually abusive. Sometimes they want to use religion against someone else. I say, pick a person that you both agree on and really think about who you're picking um, and let that person kind of dictate um, you know, their religious stance on something. And then you guys both understand that that religious stance is legitimate. And if you need a second opinion, go seek a second opinion. But I, I think that's important too, because you want to avoid a situation where someone is using religion against you. So I would say that a part of knowing what is really compromised and what, and, and hard work and what's dangerous is not being so stuck in the moment yourself and having other um, objective eyes look at it. Now, let me tell you what it's not. Telling your parents all the bad things about your spouse. I know. That is not, not a good, yeah. Yeah, not not a good idea. That is not a good look. <laughs> yeah. Not a good look. Like your parents love your stinking butt. You go to yes. your parents and you're like, mom, I hate you. Tomorrow you'd be like, mom, I love you. I don't yeah. know why I ever said that. And they're like, they're like, it's totally fine. I birthed you. It's yeah. here. It came out of my womb. Yeah. You go to your mom and you say, mom, my husband's awful. He did this thing to me. I hate him. She's like, oh, she hates him and she hates him for life. And I'm going to, you know, and I hate him too. Blacklist. So that really got to be careful about. Um, and, and I, and, and obviously men do it too, or they'll go and they'll complain about their wife to their mom. Like, don't do that. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it in a more emphatic way. Um, you do that, you are setting yourself up for bad mother-in-law, daughter-in-law interactions from the get-go. Yeah. So those are, those are things that can actually turn out to be, uh, damaging and abusive and, and, and really make a relationship, like you said, like that hard work that you're talking about, um, and the compromise, it can actually become insurmountable to be honest. So what? With the red flags, right? So say yes. you're in a relationship and you see these red flags, but I, I also see that in relationships that you're like, okay, how many red flags can I deal with? Right? Like you have to really evaluate, yeah. like, is this just a phase? Like, will it get better? Like maybe this is just a yeah. difficult time. And so I think often it can be difficult to know, like, how do you know when it's time to pull the plug? Like, this relationship yeah. isn't going to get better. I know it's not going to get better. So let me just go ahead and end it. I always tell people, um, you know, give people a real chance, right? So give people a chance to show themselves, to show who they really are. So I'm not going to use, like, you know, exact numbers. But and so these are a bit guesstimations. And so, like, you know, they're not they're not definitive. But I always think that within three months, you can tell if you really have an emotional connection with someone or not. Like you would actually want to be in a relationship with them. Like I said before, like you want to get their opinion on your life. You miss them when you're, when they're not around, you kind of, you want their input 
and you value their input, you respect their input. I think so within three months, you kind of figure that out. Now, beyond that, which is, you know, again, there's some red flags that are manifesting. Someone treats, you know, wait staff impro- in, in, inappropriately or improperly. That's a red flag. Someone treats their own parents and, you know, disrespectfully. That's a red flag. Um, someone who like kind of skirts away from paying for something and kind of shows them themselves to be a little bit, um, tight on money. That's a red flag, right? Someone who's not generous with their money is not going to be generous with their time and their soul. So, so those are, you know, someone who lies, someone who you find out lied about several things. That's a red flag. So when those red flags start compounding and they start like building on top of each other, how do you know, like you said, when to sort of walk away? I always say this, when you come to a decision about the you know, is this person going to be my forever person? And again, it has to be after a bit of time has, has actually been given legitimate amount of time has been given to someone. But when you say, if I marry this person tomorrow and my kids turned out exactly like them, how would I feel about that? Mm-hmm. And if you, yeah. and, if, and if your, and if your answer is, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's fine. Then you know that that person probably is someone that you want to stick around with it and, and enter into a long-term exclusive relationship with. But if you're, if you, if, if, if hearing that makes your heart and, your mind like explode, then you should probably walk away from that person because you cannot marry someone's potential. You can't be like, this will phase, this will fade out after a week or two. Yeah. You don't know that. You have absolutely no idea when that's going to fade out. You don't know when something else will phase in. And and that's the truth. I mean, people change a lot in a, in a marriage, but their values, their core values should not change. But if they do change, that's actually grounds for divorce. So we can yeah. I'll actually be doing a video about that on season two um, about about that. But that's really but helpful. Yeah. But basically, I would tell you that give someone a fair chance. That can mean different things for different people. But, you know, I do find that a three in within three months of a relationship, you can basically figure out if this is someone that I want to con- you know, continue to invest in or this is someone that I should probably walk away from. So if those red flags are compounding on each other and you realize that, um, you know, if I stay with this person, I'm going to have to expect them to change. That is not for you. Yeah. That person's not for you. Okay. So this question is kind of related and it kind of has to deal with me being like a crazy person. So okay. I love it. I'm so excited about <laughs> yeah. this question. So when I got married, I was like, you know what? Like, I don't really know if I want to put our relationship on social media because I was, I'm a person who like stalks couples on social media. Oh my like, God. I know yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Yeah. I have like, notes, uh, binders. Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Yes. Oh and you're like, God. okay, they got together. April 2011. There were all of these pictures come 2013. Now it's just one picture a month. 2014. Now it's like, wait, he not in none of those pictures. And you're like, wait, what happened to that picture from April of 2011? Like that's down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did they take it down? Yeah. yeah. Did they take it down? Yeah. You're like trying to figure out all these clues from like statuses. Yeah. yeah. And so I was <laughs> like, man, I was like, if I'm doing this, that means that other people are doing this. And I was yeah, like, girl. I don't want to be that couple that like has all of these pictures and then like slowly yeah. not which my husband was like you are insane um, but you know mashallah he like deals with my craziness but all of that okay. to say is like how much of your relationship should be on social media like I see so yes. many people that are like I love you like every day every hour <laughs> every, every second I'm like yeah. how could I have ever ended up with someone as yeah. beautiful as you exactly <laughs> I just thank God all the yeah. time for all the your time. face yeah yeah. 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 About that. Okay. Right? So yeah. good, good question. Good question. Highly, highly dependent on, you know, people's, 
you know, I guess their their own preferences. But yeah. I will say that, like, if you're intimate, if, if every single time someone has a birthday and you share all of your most intimate um, musings with someone in on a, on a Facebook post and not in a card, probably not a problem you know like it's okay of course to celebrate your your spouse um birthdays special events obviously graduations things like that and people put really sweet notes and that's fine I just think that you know like you said there are people who are stalking and so there's going to be some scrutiny and uh, you know here's what I'll, I'll say about that too so um I had some friends and they took this like wild adventure on the Mediterranean. They took like a cruise and their relationship was completely falling apart. But if you look at their Facebook feed or Instagram feed, they're like, we're in Sicily, you know? Oh man. Uh, That, so there's some optics, there are optics issues, which is like, whatever you put out there, people are going to believe. Yeah. Whatever you put out there, people are going to believe. So like, like internalize that. What, what do you want people to believe about you? And if that's the case, then everyone can be manufacturing whatever it is. So what I'd say is that if, if you're writing more on social media than you are talking to your spouse or talking to them in person or writing to them privately, there's, there's an issue because you're, you're performing for other people. Mm. Living for the gram. Living for the gram. You know, my most used emoji is the, the little gram. detective girl because I'm always like <laughs> yeah. snooping and trying to like put clues together. So it's I true. also have some self-work to do and just minding <laughs> yes. my own business. Listen, like, I know. Like, social media should not be our lives. They should be a part of our lives, yeah. right? Like, or not even should be. For some people, they don't want it to be. That's right. fine. But like, if social media is your life, like you said, you're living for the gram or you're living for the attention, holy smokes, like realize that that's not real life that's not that's not going to bring you happiness it's not one of the um factors that i talked about before with dr roger walsh like that's like kind of dangerous if you're not investing in your relationships in a real way but you're you're going to be sad and and by the way there's a harvard life study the longest uh life study on happiness that's ever been uh conducted over 75 years and they they saw that more important to your happiness than your wealth then your socioeconomic status, then your education, then your health, then even your health, like your the, the amount of cholesterol you had or your, your blood pressure was your relationships. Mm. If you were in a reliable, a reliable relationship, that's the key. If you're in some kind of toxic marriage, it doesn't work. But if you were in a reliable relationship where you knew that the person was someone you can count on, you were more happy than anyone else. Wow. That, and there's a, there's a beautiful TED talk about it. If you don't believe me, look it up. Harvard Life Study. Um, so what does that tell you? That means that if you're not really investing in them, and again, you're living for the gram, shame on you. You're, you're stealing happiness yeah, from yourself. Yeah, I totally believe that. And then it, it, okay, this is like back to the gram, but also yes. thinking about how people will be like, you didn't post about me on Snapchat, so you must have like side base. <laughs> Where it's like, especially if you have a partner that posts on social media and you never yes. seem to make it you're into never a in post. Them. Yeah. yeah, you're never in them. Right. Yeah, and you're like, wait, what's going on here? But no, that yeah. study like totally makes sense to me, right? Like relationships are like our lives, right? And that is- They're like, everything. Yeah. Your connections are everything. Uh, uh, to happiness, you know, um, to longevity, to to fulfillment, fulfillment in life. And that really does mean that it doesn't, and then, it, you know, some people will be like, well, what about people who never get married and don't find love? It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a romantic relationship. It can be any relationship, but it has to be one that lasts and is meaningful. 
So I always tell people, you know, no, not everyone's going to find love in life. That's the truth of it. You know, some people don't. Some people think that, hey, that's really sad. And that's not romantic. Well, it's not for everybody. It's not going to happen for everybody. <laughs> that's answer. just the truth of it. Yeah, sorry about my, <laughs> yeah. my, weird, I was my like, weird voices. Damn. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's sad. Yeah. Um, it's just the way it is, right? Yeah. But that person, that doesn't mean that they can't live fulfilling, beautiful lives. You know, that doesn't mean that they can't um, find really deep connection in their community and be people of, of substance and good character and a beautiful life, but they have to, ha- they can't be lonely. Yeah. That's they how I feel lonely. about Tracy Ellis Ross. <laughs> yeah. She like hasn't been married, but I'm like, you're living your best life. Like I there feel it. <laughs> yeah. And some, and people don't have to be parents. Some people yeah. are like, Oh, if I was only a parent and you know, people are struggling with infertility issues and it brings a lot of stress in people's lives. And like, the truth is that you don't have to be a parent to live a most fulfilled life. You don't, you know, that does, that's not, you know, it's okay too, but you can't be lonely. You can't be lonely. You gotta be part of the community. Absolutely. That's what this, that's what the data shows. You know, I've started to, in the last few months, meet a lot of our our listeners. So now I have faces and actual data on like who these people are. Um, And a lot of them are young women. A lot of them are unmarried. Um, A lot of them are sort of in this phase where they're exploring things. We also have some young men. Shout out to the men who, for some reason, listen to this podcast. Basically, just like our husbands and our friends' husbands. The white chromosomes. The white chromosomes in the house. But um, given that knowledge, you know, is there any advice, like anything else that you would like to share for people that are on this journey, that are looking, that are newlyweds, that are trying to figure all of this stuff out? To to the ladies out there um, and and the men, but mostly to the ladies, because there's mostly (laughs) ladies listeners. um, Just just know that it's rough. Um, You're not alone in feeling sad or disappointed. Um, but if you, I think if you put your faith in the right things and if you build the right kind of relationships in your life and, and, and really find happiness on your own with yourself and being okay with yourself and being comfortable with yourself, beautiful things will happen in your life. Maybe that's love. Maybe it isn't, but good things will happen. If you're investing in yourself and you're investing in the people around you, it doesn't work to just invest in self and it doesn't work to just invest in the people around you. It has to be a two-way thing. You know, one-sided things will, will make you feel empty. But if you're doing that, then I promise, I promise, uh, you know, and the data shows <laughs> that you will find fulfillment. And with all the disappointments, with every single disappointment, I think it's important to know that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a spiritual person. I believe in God that um, any of the sacrifices that you've made and any of the kind things that you've done they don't just disappear. They don't just go into the ether. Like there is a real accounting of that. There's a true accounting of that. And we believe as Muslims that that means that every single thing that we do that is good will be our companion for us, uh, you know, in the grave and that they will adorn our graves and that they will be our companions when there's no one else to talk to. So just, just realize that you matter and you're, the good things that you do matter. That's so beautiful and like so helpful for ladies who, you know, like aren't married and like super pressed and stressed about it. So that's, I mean, that even makes me feel good. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. And where can people find you? Obviously we've stalked you all over the internet. (laughs) Find me all over the internet. Uh, Yasguru.com is my website. Uh, I have uh, another website, Opp for Hap, O-P-P, number four, H-A-P-P. That was my 
old matchmaking site. I'm kind of phasing it out. But uh, backslash advice is my relationship blog. It talks about everything from commitment phobia to how to prepare um, for marriage, how to be engaged um, in your community and and um, and and out there and what it means to be kind of um, too picky versus you know, makes sense to make sense. What you're, what you're looking for is reasonable. So I, I have all that on my blog and you can also find me on Instagram at yes, guru. And, um, I do Mary Mondays. So I do this like fun Mary Mondays. So people want supportive Saturdays. So they also want oh, like something on, on Saturday. And there's, it's mostly going to be about if I do supportive Saturdays inshallah, um, I might start today. I might start next week. It'll actually be not so much about, about like uh, necessarily relationships, but about self and about how to support yourself um, and to change your energy to make sure that it, you have positive energy. Anyways, I love you guys and I really appreciate the opportunity to be on this amazing Identity Politics. Identity Politics is a podcast created by Ikhlas Salim. This episode was produced by Ikhlas Salim and Mecca Ali. Intro and outro music RSPN by Blinking Kit. Until next time. Thanks for listening.